Carson Price for July the 21st coming to you from the Wall Center downtown. Don't forget about the Wall Center YBR, though. They've got that up their sleeve, and they've got fabulous dining there at the apron. So even if you're not planning on staying for the night, stay for a bite to eat at the apron on your way out of town or your way back into town. You know there's nothing in the fridge, so uh, stop there and grab a bite before you head home. Jeff Patterson is in for the vacationing. Matt Sikaris. And we are a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, who proudly have one of the most unique dealerships you're ever going to find at the Applewood Performance Center. Uh, Matt and I went out there, walked around the new and premium used vehicles that you just won't find anywhere else. Honestly, it, it's uh, it's a spectacle, from trucks to sports cars, even the odd motorcycle thrown in for good measure. And they're so passionate about what they do. You know, a lot of places will have knowledge. That's one thing. That's expected, I think. But they have the passion, the enthusiasm to get you into the right vehicle. Check it all out at AppleWoodPerformanceCenter.com. Greetings, Jeff. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, good. What a day, what a week it's been, what a weekend to come. Um, it's going to be – Monday's show is is writing itself <laughs> as we as we speak right now. I'll be part of that. Yes, you will be in for me on uh, on Monday. Um, never mind, you know, an open championship that's ongoing right now, but two big events at BC Place this weekend, everything going down in Seattle, which, by the way, leads us to our poll question from yesterday. Who would you be most excited to see in Seattle this weekend? The Jays, the Mariners, Taylor Swift, of course, is an option on the poll question as well, or none of the above. Jeff, who do you think won that poll question? Uh, I've been at this long enough to know that uh, Blue Jay fans make themselves known in this market. And so uh, the Exodus is uh, on game tonight and then through the weekend, three games set. Uh, I'm going to say the Blue Jays, although uh, in my household I can say it's Taylor Swift. My wife and daughter uh, are making the track for the Sunday night show, so they're uh, highly Highly anticipating uh, their weekend ahead. But I'm going to say the Blue Jays uh, won the poll. They did, but are you surprised to learn it's a narrow victory over T-Swizzle? Uh, uh, 34.2% for the Jays. Taylor Swift at 295 So that was a that was neck and neck. The Mariners, you know, 11.7%. I mean, on the board, but not a strong join. Uh, none of the above going 24.6%. And, and maybe some of the none of the abovers are, are just more than happy with the the festivities back here at home with the Whitecaps and Lions in action as well. But you are right. Monday's show is going to uh, uh, be full. We may have to extend. It'll be an yes. extended program because, uh, yeah, lots going on locally uh, and abroad as well. That's the kind of Mondays that we like. None of the above one on YouTube, 42%. Really? Very tough crowd. A very uh, provincial crowd, yeah. I, I guess, on YouTube. None of the above, Blue Jays, Swift, Mariners. In that order. Yeah. Okay. Uh, today's Bodog poll question, uh, given that Jeff is here, and he's the one that elicited the answer from Brock Bester at training camp last year, and given there's just been a lot of discussion about his off-season regimen and you know not playing in the beauty league back at home and all that sort of stuff, our question is, will Brock Bester ever score 30 goals in a season? Simple as that. Log on, cast your vote on all our social medias. And uh, remember, it's brought to you by Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. Anytime touchdown score for the Lions tomorrow against the Riders. And the usual targets, not providing enough value for me. Rhymes, 
Whitehead. How about Javon Katoy, though? Can be a favorite, especially down near the goal line. Yeah. Plus 180 for Javon Katoy. As an anytime touchdown scorer versus the Riders. Again, your trusted source for sports odds at Bodog. Um, 30 goals for Brock Besser. There's three factors to consider that may sway you to say no, as much as you might want to be optimistic as a Vancouver Canucks fan. Um, well, you might just be down on his skill and where his game is at in today's National Hockey League. You might think he's just too injured. I mean, he's he's had a tough time getting to the 80-game mark here, and any time you're not in the lineup, um, that hurts you. He's diversifying his game a little bit. He's trying to be more of a two-way player. He's been a setup man a little bit more than he was early on in his career. Um, so those are the three factors to consider, or you might just think, hey, he just needs a little luck to go his way, and he's going to get to 30. Right, and we should point out as well that the poll question, it's not judgy. Uh, it's not saying, will he score 30 as a Canuck? It's, will no. he score 30 yeah. in the NHL? Yeah. And so you got to take that into account There's as that too. well. Um, look, when Brock Besser arrived on the scene, you know, first-round pick, uh, big score in college, the Canucks needed him to score goals. It was him and Brock Besser, or him and Bo Horvat, and, and the Sedins were winding things down at the tail end of their career. And so... Brock Besser did what it was expected. 29 as a rookie. Uh, that looked like his jumping on point. And it was 29 in 62 games. Uh, you know, and he followed up with 26 goals in his second season. But then uh, the Canucks added Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and Andre Kuzmenko came along. And all of a sudden there were other guys that scored goals. And so uh, Brock's role changed a little bit. And I just wonder, and you're right, like I asked him that question behind the rink in Whistler last year, looked me in the eye, this is the year that I'm going to get 30. And, of course, uh, it wasn't. In fact, he didn't even get 20 last year, finished with 18 goals. So, uh, But he did finish a point off his career best for points in an NHL season. So there has been a transformation in the way that he plays, and I think we have to keep that in mind. My concern for him getting anywhere close to 30 is just the way this roster is constructed, JT Miller is going to be the second-line center. It looks like Besser and Miller could very well start the season together. Is JT Miller going to be asked to take on tough matchups? Are they going to be used in that sense? If so, Besser is going to have to be better defensively than he was last year. But if they're playing in more of a matchup kind of shutdown role, that's going to eat into his offense as well. But it's more about his centermen. Like Brock doesn't create offense on his own. He is very much a guy that requires people to put pucks on his stick. Mm-hmm. And when he gets time, he still has a shot that can, can be goaltenders. Well, at even strength last year, Brock Besser was tied with JT Miller in assists. Both of them had 27 even strength assists last year. So JT Miller not known necessarily as this great playmaker five-on-five. And if he is Brock Besser's center, then I think asking Besser to get to 30 goals is going to be a a stretch. So, look, Brock is an easy guy to cheer for. I'd like to see it happen for him, but I'm just not convinced with the other guys that they have to score goals. I don't see him scoring a bunch on the power play. And if he doesn't score a bunch on the power play, then I think that's going to make it that much more difficult for him to get to 30 as well. So... 
Uh, I, I need to see it from him before I can give him the benefit of the doubt. He has had, what, six full seasons now in the National Hockey League, still hasn't got to 30, 29 is his high watermark in that rookie season. Uh, the idea of him getting to 30, if it happens, great, but I'm just not sure that I can give him the benefit of the doubt at this stage. Is there any chance that he shows up at training camp and we're surprised that he's got an extra step, that he looks a little bit faster? You, you, I'd love to see it, and I know that Ben Kuzma wrote a piece in the province yesterday about the fact that, as you said, no Beauty League, that he is sort of focused on himself and his training, and he's got a new trainer. Uh, I'm not sure what they're working on to get that sort of next step that he needs, that uh, explosive step out of the blocks. You know, when he gets up to speed, he can keep up. It's those first couple of strides, yeah. separation. Again, we talked about you know, a goal scorer getting a little bit of time and space, pull away from a, a back checker or a defender. Um, I, I hope, I hope that, you know, he's taken all this to heart and recognized that that is one of the things that has held him back here. And also when we talk about speed, the same thing applies on the back check, that if the Canucks turn pucks over and he's got to get on his horse, you know, if he can gain that quick step to get position on a guy that's trying to pull away from him, uh, that's going to help him. It's going to help the team be better defensively, keep the puck out of your own net, and then go to the attack. So, you know, is there a chance that he could surprise? Like, wouldn't that be something if we all showed up in the first day of training camp in Victoria and, like, who's the guy with the Rockets out there? It's, oh, it's Brock Besser. I'm not expecting that, but you know, I don't think he's at a point in his career where you would say he's too old to gain a half step. Like, I'm not expecting him to become a burner all of a sudden, the fastest guy on the team. But I think there are trainers out there uh, that can help people address, you know, areas of weakness and try to turn them, uh, if not into a strength, then at least, you know, that he can hold his own at the National Hockey League level. So I do hope that uh, he's taken all this to heart. And that is the idea that this summer he's going to show up at training camp and we are going to notice that, you know, he can hang with some of the the quicker guys on this hockey club. Are you confident that the shot is... As good as it's ever been, or do you still think there's lingering effects there? I do think that... Yeah, it doesn't seem the same. No, there's just not quite the pop, the the zip that... Yeah. I mean, those first couple of years, and again, it was never a one-timer. It was just accurate. It was hard. He was beating goaltenders from distance. I remember a night, uh, Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist yeah. at the time, like two of the best goaltenders in the NHL. And, you know, Bessery just stared them down. They came out of the net, challenged, take space away from him. Boom, he's still picking his spots. I'm not sure that that player uh, is still there. And some of that does seem to just be a direct result of the wrist injury that's always plagued him. There have been some other injuries along the way as well. And that's why I said, like, he's an easy guy to cheer for. He's gone through hardships on and off the ice. They've been well-documented. It would be great if he could just show up free of mind, hit the ground running, and get off to a quick start as well. That's been part of the problem, too, with Brock Besser the last couple of years. Like When Travis Green got fired, Brock Besser had four goals at that point. That was like early December. Yeah. Uh, and then you're playing catch-up. And yes, he got the Bruce Boudreaux bump, but in order to get to 30, you can't have four goals in the first week of December. Like So it would be great to see this guy hit the ground running. And of course, last year... The wrist injury at training camp, missed, you know, struggled, missed the preseason, tried to get back for the start of the year, and even by his own admission, probably hurried back a little too quickly and wasn't 100% right off the bat. So hopefully a good summer for him. 
uh, doing things a little bit differently, and we'll see if there's a payoff. And it would be nice to see that payoff right out of the gate this season. Yeah, it, uh, it, it there's there's potentially some opportunity that he hasn't seen recently uh, with this team, um, potentially with the glut of wingers, if that doesn't get addressed and if there's no injuries. Maybe it's going to be harder. Uh, we'll see what opportunities he gets in terms of power play one. Um, it's it's going to be a very interesting training camp on the wings. If nothing changes, maybe there's a big deal to be had. Maybe maybe the Canucks can try to turn a winger into a defenseman, a winger plus turning into a defenseman. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, very quiet right now. It was very quiet on the stat sheet for the Canadian women's national team. Their debut versus Nigeria last night. Uh, I was pretty excited, and I was pretty excited in the opening moments, too, because possession was solely with Canada. They dominated the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, Nigeria barely touched the ball in the first 15 minutes. And and it it sort of laid, you know, even even with no goal in the first 15 minutes, you just kind of thought, okay, it's eventually, the dam will break. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I watched it. And Christine Sinclair had that chance, like, eight minutes in from the top of the box, and maybe that was a sign of things to come, because it It wasn't wasn't close enough. No. It, like, it was close, but it wasn't that close. It was a good look, but she had to do better with it, and has certainly throughout her career... Um, but really after the first 15 minutes, then I kind of thought the Nigerians had weathered the storm and their counters were dangerous. Yeah. They had that one really good chance where Kaelin Sheridan came out to make a planet whiffed on it. And it should have been in the back of the net for Nigeria. And in that regard, Canada might be lucky that they got the draw, they got a result at the very least and didn't shoot themselves in the foot and demand that they win the next two matches a win and a draw you'd think would probably still be easily enough heck a win in and of itself might be enough depending on on how goal differential goes um you know their, their world cup is hardly over but the tougher matches are ahead canada versus ireland 5 a.m our time on wednesday so not nearly as good a time for watching as it was last night which was an absolute gift to start this world cup for us at the very least um Jesse Fleming, you'd think, would be ready to go, though. She's been practicing. It was kind of a shock that she wasn't in the lineup in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but she'll play, I would guess, on Wednesday. And they need her to be the finisher. Like, just they, they need somebody to, to not only put the ball in the back of the net, Jeff, they need somebody to put the ball in the front of the net, just shots on goal, test the keeper. They didn't do that nearly enough last night. No, for all that possession, just three shots on target. Yeah. One of them, of course, was. Christine Sinclair from the spot, and again, not her best effort, maybe telegraphed a little too much. Should she have been the person to take it? I had forgotten that she didn't take a penalty in the gold medal game in Tokyo. I had also forgotten, and I had to kind of go back and review the history last night, but goals didn't come easy for this group on its way to that gold medal at the Olympics either. In fact... Canada didn't score a goal from open play in the knockout stage, and they won three games. Yeah. Like, they survived on penalties, and it looked like maybe that strategy was going to get them through again last night. So, tough on Christine. I mean, obviously the GOAT, but not in that moment feeling more like the GOAT. Um, well, she she's she's not being dependent upon for goals anymore. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure there's players there that have bigger shots than she does right now. And what they needed to do is just blast that one in the net. And Sinclair tried to place it, and they got stung. 
Uh, they're lucky in some regards the VAR was around. Now they got Nigeria gets the red card late, so it didn't really benefit the the Canadians. But good to see VAR working at the very least. Although there might have been a, still even a missed call. I, I can't believe that the referee looked at the monitor for as long as she did on the penalty that resulted in the uh, the shot from the spot. I mean, the, it was clear as day. Like she should have been there for on. four yeah. seconds. Yeah. Um, but that part worked at the very least, and and they'll just have to lick wounds and and get going. Yeah, as you said, though, I mean they've got to turn possession into chances, and then ultimately those chances into goals. Mm-hmm. And for as much as they possessed the the football, uh, nothing to show for it. You're right, it doesn't end the World Cup after one game, but it certainly the, the pressure mounts now, and draws aren't going to be good enough. So when it does come down to goal differential. Gotta have a few in your favor, and we'll see what they can do against Ireland. Because then, after Ireland, uh, they finish the group the stage big against the host team. Yeah, you know, that's going to be tough. It was going to be tough regardless wherever they played that game, but uh, against the Australians in Australia in a full stadium, uh, yeah, that's going to be difficult. So, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much must win time on Wednesday. They've got uh, some time. Uh, to regroup, lick their wounds here, as you said, a few more days for Jesse Fleming to heal up and let's see what they can do against the Irish next Wednesday. Also a little bit curious to see what the USA does uh, tonight versus Vietnam. Um, I, I think I did this Bodog line yesterday, and it was six goals. Um, you know, USA likes to make statements, so we'll see what they do in their first match of the World Cup. Staying with soccer uh, locally, uh, a gut punch for Whitecaps fans. Yeah. For now, at the very least, because um, White Cat, the Whitecaps, I'm sure themselves and and Whitecaps fans are waiting for the other shoe to drop after Julian Gressel is traded last night to the Columbus Crew for uh, general allocation money, which for those that don't know the CBA and, and Major League Soccer basically allows you to take what would normally be a designated player and use a coupon to make them into a regular player to keep uh, a, a spot open. Um, is devastating news. He was in the first 10 matches, the MVP for this Whitecaps team. And the dual threat of Gauld and Gressel in the midfield was spectacular. And I, I think doubly, as a, as a Vancouver resident, honestly, and I, and I really like the guy as a human, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> like, <laughs> honest to goodness. Like, Whitecaps didn't take that into account. Uh, it's funny you say that, and obviously you're closer to him and to them, but I remember after they acquired him, and I was sitting in for you last year, and we had Julian Gressel on this very program, and was just blown away by how impressive this guy yeah, was. Yeah. As you said, as a human being, um, great interview, great backstory. Uh, he had just changed uh, his whole lifestyle and gone vegan and had this incredible answer about why he was doing it for himself but for the benefit of the planet and all these types of like just really impressive yeah. individual but also you know we've seen this enough and certainly I you know I, I come from the hockey angle here where you know teams make trades and you bring in a guy that comes from another market and you have an idea of what he's supposed to be but a lot of times maybe that player doesn't fit the profile. This guy was like exactly as advertised and exactly what the Whitecaps needed in terms of yeah. the way that he played, the things that he did on the pitch. And so, yeah, like when I saw the news yesterday, um, I, I was disappointed too. Like I, I, I'm not sure my feelings were hurt necessarily, but I, but I was disappointed uh, because he's one of their best players and 
you know, they've shown at times there's traction here and, you know, wouldn't it be something if they could get on a, a run and, you know, playoff time and all those types of things and he would be a part of that. But also just this curiosity of, all right, the story breaks that he's out of town but not knowing what the return is. Like we're all sort of sitting in this holding pattern and maybe that would change the view of uh, the transaction. But for the time being, it's a, a massive loss for the Whitecaps, and we just don't know what they're getting in return. Here, here's the brass tax, folks. The transfer window is open till August the 2nd. Um, he didn't want to resign, ultimately. Uh, they were in negotiations. It reached a certain point, and then it became, this is not going to work. And so Julian Russell asked for a trade-off, that, hence the uh, hurt feelings comment that I, that I made. Um, a big part of this is a bigger conversation in MLS is that in soccer, traditionally, particularly European soccer, you as a player get a say where you go in transfers. You get to kibosh things. Not so in Major League Soccer, which operates more like a North American league where you just get traded. You don't have a say. We've already seen another uh, uh, indication of this where a player from Atlanta was traded to the TFC, a last place team, and was like, are you kidding me? You're trading me to the last place team? He's got no say in it. So he so Gressel was traded to Vancouver with no say in the matter from DC United, and he's been Eastern based in his entire career. He wanted to be more Eastern, which Columbus is not that Eastern. But um, it's from the Johnny Johnny Hockey program yeah. here. Of I'm moving back east, except that it's, it's pretty central, <laughs> pretty central. Uh, Kevin in the Great Clips inbox. Unless the Caps have something up their sleeve, the White Caps weave is as heartbreaking as anything they've ever done. Team feels like they're slowly wasted away into irrelevancy, but had a spark of light during this season with the real prospect of hosting a playoff game. They just traded one of the best midfielders in the league for GAM money they likely won't have time to use. And with talks of next year having a soft cap system, GAM may not even exist next year. Prospects of hosting a much-needed playoff game with a seven-game road trip on the horizon and the loss of a midfielder of his stature now looks like a Hail Mary has a twelve-plus year season ticket holder. I can say there's if there I can't say if there's ever been an instance where the team made fans their top priority. Again, they're a little bit hamstrung because he wanted out. Uh, Gam resets every year, so he can't really carry it in the next year. And they may change the system. You're right. There's this messy move has changed the the equation a little bit. I, I'm going to guess, Kevin, they are working feverishly to counter this loss with the insertion of a new player. I would say, too, in this market, I mean, everything seems to track back to hockey, but there probably is a cautionary tale here for the guys that live and work across the street and the Canucks that, you know, this is another example of an athlete in his prime trying to control his career. Yeah. And I'm not sounding alarm bells, but I just think we're going to see this more and more in all sports. And, you know, Julian Gressel, as he said, he had family reasons. He wanted to control where his next move was, where he was going to play. Well, he gets what he wanted. And so the cautionary tale remains for the Vancouver Canucks that you know they better tread lightly here and figure things out with Elias Pettersson because, again, I just think he's such a, a shrewd operator that you know, not that he's going to see Julian Gressel leave town and think, oh, yeah, yeah. I can do that too, but, but no, you're it's right. it's just the lesson for all these clubs is that ultimately it feels like players are taking control of their careers 
way more than they ever have. Yeah, absolutely. Caps versus Lyon, 7.30 tonight at BC Play Stadium uh, without Julian Gressel in the lineup. BC Lions tomorrow at BC Place, 4 p.m. for them. Again, 4 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, the 4-1 Lions versus the 3-2 and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The watermelon smashes and more coming up in the pregame. Um I hadn't really picked up on the, the fact that the Riders are 3-2. and two. It's better than I anticipated they would be this season, um, at least at this point in the proceedings. So it's a good test. Now, the Lions are 10-point favorites, so I, maybe that speaks to the paper tiger that the Riders could be at 3-2. and two. Um, But I'm intrigued to see if the Lions can live up to that 10-point that, uh, favorite status. Right, and they haven't played since a good win over Montreal. Yeah. They went under their bye week here. Uh, this is a chance to really open up some separation, though, at the top of the West. Winnipeg beat Edmonton. That's the free space on the bingo card these days. 0-7 now Oof. are the Elks. Um, but Winnipeg's at 5-2. and two. The Lions are 4-1. and one. But when you're playing divisional opponents, like that's where you make your hay. And so if the Lions can get this done at home, move to 5-1, and one, yeah, that's a third of their schedule. 5-1. and one. Like, That's a pretty impressive start. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're expecting 30-plus thousand, so impressive on the field, off the field as well. But if you beat Saskatchewan, you move to 5-1, and one, they're at 3-3. Three and three. All of a sudden, like, there's a little bit of a gap there. Uh, and we know that uh, the Elks are spinning their wheels, and Calgary Stampeders not really figuring things out as well. And so uh, another opportunity here at home in front of a big crowd. And sure, there will be lots of green and white in the stands as well, but I mean, that makes for a great atmosphere. It's always fun when the riders... Uh, are here against the Lions, but a real opportunity, I think, for the Lions to serve note. Like the win against Montreal was important, coming off the loss to Toronto, that they got back in the right direction, get another victory, and now if they get back that up with another one here, move to five and one. As I said, like you can't ask for a whole lot more from this football team out of the gates than winning five of their first six games. So got to get out there and get it done. I can't hand them a victory here, but uh, this is a chance for the Lions to really take a step in the right direction in terms of serving notice to the league that uh, they are one of the teams to beat in the Canadian Football League. By the way, the Backyard Bash, as they're calling it, begins at 11 a.m. with food and drink specials and good prices, by the way, for those uh, head-to-head activities for fans of both teams. So that'll be kind of fun. And Randy Ambrosi will be kicking around, judging some of those set events. So that uh, that should be a lot of fun. Playing the role of the pe- commission's playing the role of the peacemaker. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, so 11 a.m., 4 p.m. kickoff uh, for the Lions and Riders at BC Place tomorrow. Again, tonight, uh, 7.30 BC Place for League's Cup opener. Whitecaps versus Club Leon. Seas, by the way, Vancouver Canadiens back in action Tuesday in that Bailey Stadium. They're still away on the road. They got another win, though. Five scoreless innings from the reigning Northwest League pitcher of the month, Devereaux Harrison. They won 7-3 in Spokane. But you can get your tickets to next week's games at uh, CanadiansBaseball.com. Time for the Golf Report, brought to you by the legendary Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. If you've got a group of 12 or more, be the hero, because you, the group organizer, play for free. You get all the accolades for being the organizer. You know when your friends are, are like proud that you organized the dinner? Like, ah, thanks for organizing this. Well, you get all that, and you get to play for free. You don't have to tell them that. All you have to do is tell them, though, about your group, and they'll take care of the rest. So do so at whistlergolf.com forward slash Groups and the Canadians are done their second rounds at the Open Championship. And in the case of Nick Taylor, alas, he is done, done. Um, he'll be going home. He will not pull off the uh, dual Commonwealth <laughs> Open, if you will, of the Canadian and the Open Championship. Uh, no, unfortunately for him, one of two Canadians in the field looks like Corey Connors is going to make the cut. So uh, there will be a Maple Leaf 
uh, hopefully working its way up the leaderboard as we work our way to the weekend at Royal Liverpool. But uh, yeah, for Nick Taylor, obviously the high of the Canadian Open uh, a couple of months back now. Uh, but uh, two rounds and done at uh, this major championship. Connors uh, gets in at plus two. He was even on the round today and uh, uh, narrowly missed one of those crazy bunkers on 18, ended up with a birdie on 18, uh, which solidifies it. In fact, he probably is now going to be one below the cut line number. So that's he's, he's moving up the leaderboard by sitting in the clubhouse, and you love to see that, although um, everybody, everybody is going to be chasing Brian Harmon into the weekend, who posts a six under round. He's at minus 10. To yeah. lead the field. Ah, uh, we like undersized lefties around here. Oh, so. do we? Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I, we do. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that particular memo. So, uh, yeah, good luck uh, to all involved, and hopefully, we get an entertaining uh, finish, and uh, Harmon doesn't walk away with this whole thing. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Here's the rest of today's menu brought to you by BC's Best Breakfast. Uh, it seems like it's an indulgent weekend given everything that's going on both uh, here in Vancouver and in Seattle. Uh, put the cherry on top of the breakfast, brunch, or lunch at De Dutch. So easy to find, one near you, and uh, easy in the pocketbook, too. Get your sweet or savory pan cooking and more. Check it all out at dedutch.com. Price is right in a moment. Uh, we mentioned the Whitecaps League's Cup debut. It is also the debut and then some for one Lionel Messi. We'll get into that. John Shannon stops by, takes on... Uh, the BC Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame, or his takes on the BC Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, the night that will be for all involved. Uh, not to mention the departure of Derek Clancy to the Leafs, which we haven't spoken to you yet about. Jeff, how did that hit you, by the way? Yeah, caught me off guard. Uh, I got off my flight uh, from San Diego the other day, and uh, as I turned my phone back on, uh, that news. Uh, so I was doing a little bit of catch-up, and um, I don't know, it's curious at the very least to uh, lateral move. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Jim Rutherford's first hire here in Vancouver, and 18 months later, he's out the door. And to see Jim Rutherford, who told us uh, when they hired Rick Tockett that he was done speaking, that uh, he was going to take sort of, you know, a background uh, approach for Jim Rutherford, sort of forced to make a statement, a uh, team produced statement, I thought was curious. You know, on the is it something or is it nothing? It's definitely not nothing. Um, Derek Clancy, highly regarded, well respected. Uh, we've talked about Canucks pro scouting has been better here uh, in the last little while than it was under the previous regime, and I think Derek Clancy was a big part of all of that. So, um, you know, if the Canucks were a Stanley Cup favorite or even a contender going into this season, I doubt he would have left and so you know we don't really ever hear from assistant general managers like I don't know that Derek Clancy in his own no. words is ever no. going to explain why he up and left but uh, it certainly seems like the Leafs are closer to a championship I know he has strong ties with Brad Tree Living but he also had really strong ties to Rutherford and Alvin and their time true. in Pittsburgh so yeah uh, it's curious to say the very least. Um, John Shannon does have a couple theories, by the way, on the move. So you'll hear about that. Matt does, Matt is in Sakaris, does make a special appearance today uh, for another edition 
of S versus P that comes right after hashtag the best and worst of Twitter. Today's topic in S versus P, uh, should the Canucks bolster the goaltending ranks further this summer? Do they need another body there? Yes or no? We're going to get into all that. What's your thought on the on the matter, Seen as you're Oof. taking that segment off? Yeah, um, I expect that they're going to go to camp with the guys that they've got. Yeah. Um, you know, is that going to serve them well? Uh, I, I want Thatcher Demko to be healthy and hit the ground running and you know play like he did down the stretch. But he can't play every game, and they've got a guard against playing him every game. They ran him into dust the previous season. We saw that. Um, and so, you know, can Spencer Martin be a backup at the NHL level and only a backup? Maybe, but you're rolling the dice because we saw what happened when Demko went down. He couldn't handle uh, the workload of being a starter. And as great a story as Artur Silas was last year, making his NHL debut, getting in five games, and then the World Hockey Championship, again, like he doesn't have a huge body of work as a pro. And is he better served to be the guy every night in Abbotsford? Like that's the way I'm inclined to think. So, uh, boy, rolling the dice with Spencer Martin as the backup for a team that is on the record of you know needing to get to the playoffs. But I just don't think that they've got the spending power to go out and find, like, you know, Martin Jones, Vancouver guy, is mm. still out there on yeah. the market, proven NHL. Like, could he be the backup and give you 20 to 25 starts? Yeah, he probably could. But I'm not sure that the Canucks have the money to go spend. I don't think they're going Yarrow Halak for a second time around, but Halak is out there and still wants to play. Um, so I'm going to say that they're going to stick with the guys that they've got, and they're going to hope that their solution uh, is in-house. We'll get into all of it coming up. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. The Price is Right, brought to you by Northland's Golf Course. And with apologies to TFC and their slogan for the arrival of Jermaine Defoe, Lionel Messi is a bloody big deal for Major League Soccer. As he makes his debut tonight for Inter-Miami to kick off their inaugural League's Cup schedule, the league itself will get its biggest boost of all time. And the sport in North America, the biggest boost since Pele's arrival, Almost 50 years ago, but Pele arrived to a league that wasn't ready for him. Arrived to a continent that wasn't ready for him. The same cannot be said for Messi. MLS, the United States, North America, they're ready for him. Particularly this older Messi who seems to know what he's getting into. He'll have to play the role as David Beckham did before him of ambassador and star player. But unlike Pele, this move should help make money for the league and not overextend it. He has game left, too. And let's hope we see it. Fellow Barcelona alum Sergio Busquets made a comment that may irk some. He said in addressing the differences in MLS culture from Europe, quote, it is more spectacle in that it does not depend so much on whether you win or lose. I think I might understand what he means, but 
winning does matter. Major League Soccer does not want to be the retirement league, an exhibition schedule, or soccer's version of the ECHL. The AHL, yeah, maybe. But they want winning to matter. They want to be taken seriously, and they want to be the next best thing to the big five leagues in Europe. And if all goes well for Messi, and he's able to make a difference in every MLS market, including ones like this one with artificial turf, if he's able to make that difference, then Major League Soccer just might get there indeed. That's The Price is Right. Got any feedback? Send it to the Great Clips inbox, 778-402-9680. Find the Great Clips nearest you at greatclips.com. And The Price is Right brought to you by Northlands Golf Course. Tea Times book 90 days in advance. A loyalty program as well. You could be golfing for free in no time. Details at golfnorthlands.com. Time for hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Reminder that Scarce and Price brought to you by the Applewood Auto Group. And now more than ever, we need to remind you to go talk to Jason Hominick. Mortgages pretty important these days with the interest rates skyrocketing. Housing market still heating up though a little bit here during the middle of the summer. Do you do one year variable, one year fixed? Do you do three? Do you do five? Like, what's the strategy? Well, it's not in a vacuum. Your life matters too, and what you're doing in it. So, talk to Jason Hominick, bounce it all off him, and arrive at the decision that makes sense for you. Jason dot mortgage. Want to get started, Jeff? Sure. I know you guys spent a fair bit of time on the program yesterday talking about uh, the Blue Jays' invasion of Seattle. This one comes from Sportsnet at SN Stats. John Schneider earned his 100th win as Blue Jays manager in his 171st game, tying Cito Gaston for the fastest to 100 wins in club history. Of course, John Schneider, former Vancouver Canadiens manager, gets the big job with the big league team. Blue Jays are 100 and 71 since Schneider's debut, July 13th, 2022, so just over a year ago. That's the fourth best record in Major League Baseball in that span. Yeah, that's, that's shocking. I mean, they've been they've been good, but just like not not very good. They've just been good. So and consistent, I guess, over the last handful of years or a few years. Um, that's interesting. And who'd have thought? Because Cito seemed to burst out of the gate too. So the fact that he's keeping pace with him is seems like a good impressive. Dude. Like yeah, he, he seems yeah. like the kind of guy that I think a lot of the players would want to play for. Yeah, and the record sort of bears that out, and we'll see if he can add to that win total. This weekend, yeah, and as they start, to, they're starting to get some traction too, as we've talked about. So, uh, at Darren Ravel, SeatGeek says the highest price someone has paid on their platform for a seat for tonight's Messi MLS debut is thirty five hundred dollars. When's the last time an MLS match was fetching tickets for thirty five hundred dollars? <laughs> this is a league that earlier in the week had Arsenal thump the All Stars five nil, which actually. Blew me away. Did Arsenal won? No, doesn't surprise me. They've they've come before. They've come before and they won two one, I believe. Um, MLS might be getting messy at just the right time here to to boost the profile a little bit. Even though I'm not worried about the profile of MLS at all, I, th- I think they've been having a great season. But uh, yeah, surprised by that Arsenal scoreline and not surprised at all by this uh, messy price tag. What, what's the most you paid tonight? To go see Lionel Messi in North America. <laughs> it wouldn't be thirty five hundred bucks. <laughs>
<laughs> I'd be trying to pull some strings with the press pass somehow, some way. I think I'd, I'd, I might go to four or 500 bucks. Yeah. I'm not going to a thousand. I didn't get quite that high, the four to 500, mm. but when I was out traveling with the Canucks, uh, Drance and I, the Canucks were in New York. We ended up going to a Yankees Astros uh playoff game at Yankee Stadium, which was sort of one of those, yeah. you know, you're there, it's happening, uh, why not? And that started with a three, so it got up there. Yeah. Three, in the hundreds. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yes. Three digits, not four. Yes. That's actually not too bad. That actually, actually seems Yankees. like a good deal. It yeah. wasn't for playoff, playoff. baseball. And, I mean, and sorry, where were you? Like, we're, like, we're in the stadium? Uh, way up high, but behind home plate, like actually mm. pretty good vantage point okay. looking down, but uh, upper deck. But uh, yeah, they won, so great atmosphere, yeah, kind of yeah. fun. Good. Um, and then, were you banging garbage cans and booing the Astros? No, uh, ah, I was just taking it all <laughs> in. Uh, actually, that, one that of the best parts of that night, honestly, Yankees win, and then just the packed subway getting back downtown yeah. with like. Baseball fans that were excited, their team had won, so it was a good mood, and people were having some fun uh, on the train. Because uh, that must have been right around when all the cheating allegations. That were might have been the series. Up. Was that the, the was that the series in question, or the year in question? Maybe anyway, not the series, but yeah, probably aligns right. Uh, a fair bit of baseball in this segment. I'm going to stick with uh, this is one from Chris Kamka, who works for NBC Chicago. Uh, I just love obscure statistics in any sport, and this one certainly uh, qualifies. The last time. The last two times a Cub has had multiple triples in a game, it's been a catcher. Last night, Jan Gomes, mm-hmm. and before that, Wilson Contreras uh, six years ago. Like Multiple triples in a game, first of all, doesn't happen very often. But you would think any of the outfielders, leadoff guy, uh, you know, let's, the infielder. Let's face it, they tend to be a little roly-poly, the catchers. Exactly. Yeah. So th- I wouldn't be putting my money on a catcher being the guy uh, to have multiple triples in a game, but uh, the last two times it's happened for the Cubs, uh, it has been the guy behind the plate. You know what my theory might be for that? In some cases, the outfield moves in a little bit. Well, and that was the case last night. Guy came running in, missed yeah. the ball, and it got past him, and then uh, it was kind of a cheapy triple. But uh, Also, you don't, you don't get a lot of technical hitters behind the plate. They tend to just kind of slash. Right. And so, you know, a spinning ball down the foul lines that yep. rattles around, causes havoc. Uh, I could see that. Uh, at Golden Knights, <whistles> is this the Barbie movie everyone's talking about? And it's Ben Hutton. Ah. I thought you were- singing Barbie Girl at the Canuck Rookie Initiation Party. I was waiting for you to go Ivan Barba show. Oh, there's that too. Um but yes, it was picked up by Bar Down as well on, on uh, at TSN. So uh, yeah, Ben Hutton is getting famous again for singing "Barbie Girl," the pop song. Um, for those that didn't see it the first time around, it's now uh, it's now going viral one more time. Uh, this is an update before I get to the tweet. Uh, Justin Thomas, who. Obviously, a couple of majors under his mm-hmm. belt, a fixture on Ryder Cup teams, and then has basically lost the ability to play golf, or so it seemed. He shot 82 in the opening round of the Open Championship. I missed that. Did he really? He battled back with a 71 on day two. Uh, missed the cut by a mile. But the tweet came from yesterday after his first round. Justin Thomas scores of 80 or worse in a major in his career. 
first 109 rounds, one. Last two rounds, two. So his final round at the U.S. Open and his first round at the British Open, both in the 80s. And again, this is a Ryder Cup year. Like at the outset of the year, you would have figured Justin Thomas was going to be in the mix. He's certainly not going to play his way onto this team. And does Zach Johnson roll the dice and take a guy who clearly isn't in form? But good to see him at least bounce back uh, with a respectable round of 71 on Friday. The... um the bunkers were absolute mayhem in the opening round, and I'm sure today too. Um, we actually got to see, and we talked about this yesterday in the show about the flattened bottoms. Yes, and uh, Tony Finau had to putt it backwards in the bunker <laughs> to get a better lie at it. John Rahm hit it backwards, and we we've seen the backwards shots yep. before, but it, it was just it was so stark in some of those bunkers. Um, that's the beauty. The Open Championship, again, not the longest courses. You can, you can drive the ball 400 yards. You need some other defense. And uh, most people are running face first into that defense. And that's hashtags for today. Garrison Price from the Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group and the Applewood Kia EV selection has to be seen to be believed. A, they have stock, which novel still in this day and age, and that's the beauty because of how many cars they sell. There's always stock. And right now, the Kia Nero EV starts at 44.9. The loaded limited is only 52.9. And you say goodbye to the gas pumps for good. And you also just get a bunch of people that are really passionate about talking about the vehicles and all the different options. Um, I've never, and we've been around, had so many in-depth discussions about cars and options and all that, as I did with the folks at Applewood Kia. So go check it out right now. I'll brought to you by the Applewood Auto Group. Bodog line of the day for me, Women's World Cup, giving us a lot of uh, fodder over the next uh, month or so. And the closest match predicted for tomorrow is Denmark versus China. And I'm going to go with the first big upset, if you don't count the uh, Nigerian tie with Canada. Plus 320 on China to take care of Denmark tomorrow at the Women's World Cup. Joining us now, the co-host, and temporarily so, the only host of the Bob McCowan podcast, and from our fair province, no less, John Shannon joins us once again here on Sakaris and Price. How are you, John? Doing great. BC Hockey Hall of Fame tonight, boys in Penticton. Duncan Keith, uh, Brent Seabrook, uh, Ron Toygo's 2007 Vancouver Giants. Milan Lucic is here. So uh, we, we've actually had a fair bit of fun already. Keith might arrive by water. He, he can just you know put the boat in the water and come right across the lake, and he's uh, he's there for the ceremony, for heaven's but sakes. I, 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 let, me, let me just say that Duncan will certainly enjoy coming across the water more than giving a speech. So... <laughs> So. <laughs> you don't suspect he'll be that verbose at the podium. This might—he might set a, 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 a record for the shortest speech uh, in the history of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Do you think that is that just him, or is that because of the honor and just having the spotlight on him? Uh, I think that's just Duncan now. Yeah, you know, you get to a certain point uh, at his age where the most important thing to him is family. He's 
Talked to him last night. He's all he's all geared up to be coaching his ten year old son's hockey team this year. So he's. Uh, uh, I, I think it. You know, Duncan was never the most verbose player. You guys both interviewed him. Yeah. Um, he he did all his talking on the ice, and you know, sitting in front of five hundred people like they will tonight. That's not the normal way that he's used to talking with people. So he, he does it with a stick and a puck, not necessarily with his voice. Brent's probably going to be a little bit more excited about it. Brent, Brent will wear his emotions on his sleeve a little bit more readily, huh? Uh, oh, I, I think so. They, and both of them were, uh, there was an event last night and they were both uh, welcomed uh, into the into the Hall of Fame family and uh, both were great. So it, it, it's, you know, the, there's something really special. Uh, people in the province... Um, should really be proud of what the BC Hockey Hall of Fame have done. They they have worked hard at it. Um, it's part of the uh, the arena project here in Penticton. Jim Houston's the chairman right now and has done a magnificent job. Uh, and so the hall the Hall of Fame is important here. And I, I think if you look across the country, I think BC's done it better than anywhere else. And I, and what you're seeing now is you're seeing other provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, copy what they have done here in Penticton. John, a little bit of Canuck news this week, and I think it caught some people off guard that uh, we kind of felt like maybe we're into the dog days of summer and and there wasn't going to be much news. Uh, But the departure of Derek Clancy, uh, we don't see this an awful lot where management types, you know, make lateral moves unless they get a promotion. And in fact, I think that's somewhat frowned upon in the National Hockey League, unless you're, you know, moving to climb the the corporate ladder. Uh, did it surprise you? Had you heard rumblings that Derek was looking to get out at all? Or uh, is there more to this story? I, I don't know if there's more to the story, Jeff. The one thing, I, I think it surprised a lot of people in Toronto simply because Brad has such a huge staff already. Um, and, I mean, he, he's got more people uh, at his disposal on the hockey operations side than anyone else in the National Hockey League. Uh, they have a bigger budget than anyone else. Uh, Brad probably has four times the amount of money and four times the amount of people that he had in Calgary. So to go out and add somebody, um, I think, surprised a lot of people both in Vancouver and in Toronto. The thing, the thing about uh, when you move to a new team and that is I think there has to be a comfort factor and that he has to have people around him that you can trust and confide in knowing how you're going to build your operation. Someone can help guide you and 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 be part of the solution. I suspect that's exactly what happens. He was, you know, Brad was very comfortable with what Derek did in his time in Calgary. Um, so to me, this was one of those ones where you you think that yeah, he was he had a relationship with Jimmy and and Patrick in Pittsburgh, uh, but I think that his time in Calgary with Brad was one that uh, had him, you know, saying I like I'd like to work with my friend again, and that's a, I I really think that's what why it came about so you think this is an isolated incident then that uh, this isn't the you know the, the first of uh, many trying to to flee the canuck front office i don't i don't think so uh, i mean i i think it's funny we're going through this this time in the nhl particularly in western canada where people are leaving and we get a little thin-skinned about things sure. you know what's going on in winnipeg well people are leaving what, what, what's wrong with us what's wrong in calgary <laughs> I, I don't think you can look at the, the front office jobs here, here, you know, and I don't know the figures, but I can guarantee you that Derek Clancy's making more in Toronto than he did in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in the end, um, when you have a family or you have a a career, uh, making money and making hay in a very, very uh, volatile sports world, 
Uh, that's probably the most important thing. The the one interesting nuance is it's a, it's I mean it's not exactly a, a small management group here in Vancouver, but it's an even bigger one in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, you almost wonder if your voice gets diluted. Now he's close to Brad, so I suspect he's got confidence that he won't be diluted. But there would be that perception possible at the very least. Well, and and you know I, I don't want to over speculate, but um, you know that general manager in Pittsburgh um, is still trying to build up his front office, mm. and so where would where would bodies for his front office come from? Well, right. they might come from a place that he's very familiar with. And so you have to wonder if this isn't even a, a proactive move by Brad for living to say, okay, I, I know I'm going to be losing a couple of bodies or a body here or there. They are, I mean, let's face it, you know, the day that they got rid of Kyle, Jason Spezza walked out the door. Um, and, and so it, it, are there going to be more people leaving the Maple Leafs and going to Pittsburgh? And so this is Brad's way of trying to find a way to have his own people in key spots in the front office. Did you find it interesting that Jim Rutherford weighed in on this, that he released a personal statement on this, or, or do you think that's just a customer? Because, again, he's trying to stick, take the step back and leave all that stuff to Patrick Alvin, and yet he he found a way to, to insert himself here into this story. Well, I think that that's, that speaks to um, the relationship that they had in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to... Listen, I, we've all been in these scenarios and certainly in the hockey world where you get disappointed when somebody you think you're nurturing and you're mentoring leaves, um, albeit for a, a bigger, um, uh, higher profile job. But so at, at a certain point, you, I'm, I'm sure that Jimmy felt he had an obligation to say something. And, and you're right. He is take, you, you guys know it better than I do. He is trying to take the step back. But at the end of the day, he still is the president of hockey operations. I mean, Clancy's got a good reputation. There is a loss here for the Canucks, isn't there? I mean, people seem to really like the fact that he's uh, a little mix of new and old and uh, a pretty sharp guy. Oh, no. He, his reputation is solid. It was solid before he got to Vancouver. Um, and, 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 I, I, and again, I just, I just think there's a comfort level for Brad for living to say, okay, I mean, let's face it, it just to, to put it in perspective in Toronto, when they did their scouting meetings, uh, they had to move their scouting meetings um, in the last two or three years from a boardroom to the Raptors practice facility. They had so many bodies. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, so that to, that speaks to how many people are involved. And Bra- I'm not sure Brad knows everybody's name yet. <laughs> you know, so, so to have to have a, a you know a familiar face, a familiar voice around you is a, is going to be a big part. And I think that Derek fills a void for Brad uh, on on a day to day basis that he can pick up the phone and say, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. You know how I think better than these guys know how I think." Uh, what do you think of the of where we're going? Don't want to turn this into a segment on the Leafs necessarily, but. They went and found Guy Boucher somewhere, somehow this week. Uh, he's back at the National Hockey League. Just a, a broader sort of question, John, because we saw it with Travis Green earlier this summer as well. There are so many qualified coaches out there, and obviously it's a numbers game. And so Travis takes an assistant coaching job or an associate coaching job in New Jersey, Guy Boucher, with head coaching experience. And this isn't new. Uh, John Stevens was on the staff of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. But it, it feels now like this is the norm around the National Hockey League where uh, most teams have guys with head coaching experience uh, in an associate or an assistant capacity. 
Well, and I and I think you have to look at Guy Boucher and say, okay, what strength does he bring to the position? And and really, I think what they're trying to do with Spencer Carberry moving to Washington as the head coach, uh, I think they're f- trying to find somebody who can really manage the power play and make sure the power play is as effective as it as it can be. And you know, he, that's that's he, he's the, he's a brain trust that way. He's one of those guys that uh, works well with special teams. We may. We, we we will never forget him for the famous one three one in Tampa, but um, that, that know, was it, the one dot 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 three one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, but it, what what he does bring to uh, what he does bring to the table is uh, how to manage a power play. And the other thing, I, I I was talking to somebody inside the Leaf organization yesterday. You have to give Sheldon Keith some credit. I think in in this scenario, in that. You know darn well as volatile as things could get in Toronto if they get off to a bad start. Everybody's going to say, well, his replacement's on the staff. And and Sheldon has enough confidence in his own ability and in relationships with people to say, come and let's work together and let's make it part of that. And and that to me, that was impressive for what, for what Sheldon's going to be. And we haven't heard what his extension's going to be like if there is, in fact, one to come down the pipe at a certain, at a certain point this summer. I don't know if we asked you about your interview with Mike Babcock the other day. He was he was on your show. What uh, what did Mike sound like a uh, a guy who had uh, found God or something? To, you know, had, had, had he changed his light. ways, seen the light, all that sort of stuff, or is he the same old Mike Babcock to you? Uh, I I think it was the latter, Blake. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't see much change in him. Um, you know, he, you know. M- and, and we do. We talked about this in, on the show. Actually, he's he's one of the greatest deflectors of all time. You can ask him question A, and he will say in his own mind, "Well, I'm going to give you an answer D," mm-hmm. <laughs> because he doesn't really want to answer question A, and he will he will you know guide the conversation. But I, I, I you know I, I I think he he talked about. Uh, you know some of the misfortunes, not necessary specific situations. Um, and that how he deals with players and how he thinks he's grown and being away from the game has been good for him. Uh, but it's still, I mean, he's almost evangelical uh, in his discussion of the game, his love of the game, his love of coaching. Um, and, uh, and he's been given a really good situation with a, a lot of good young players, um, you know, in, including Adam Fantilli and Kent Johnson, that, uh, that could make a difference. And, and, and let's face it, the blueprint we've seen the last two or three years, uh, almost to Jeff's point, not necessarily hiring them as assistant coaches, but head coaches, is bring in a veteran coach to guide guide people, like Pete DeBoer did, um, and, and you know, and 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 Jim Montgomery, a guy who had been a head coach before in Boston. So owners do that. Owners say, "Well, listen, look what they're doing. It's a copycat league." So to bring Mike Babcock in and 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 give him a chance to coach a team that was. Let's face it; it was a real disappointment last year, despite the injuries. Um, you know, he, he's going to make a difference there and quickly. John, there are a few free agents that are still out there, but really the dust has settled after July the first. Carolina went out; they got Michael Bunting, they got Dmitry Orlov, who sort of was the big fish on the on the back end. We know that that's a terrific organization and has been a really good team for a while now, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. Uh, do these pieces make them markedly better? Is this enough nope. for Carolina? No, no, nope. no. Nope. I don't think so, Jeff. I, I listen. 
we've we've talked about it i think for three or four years now is who well look at vegas you know who who was the engine that drove things on the defensive side it was obviously alex petrangelo as as far as the forwards it was it was mark stone matthew kachuk did what he did in in florida who's that guy in carolina who's the guy to say uh, you know boys jump on my back and we're going to get through this 3-1 deficit and we're going to win 4-3 they've never had that body they've never had that guy to you know to to score the big goal at the big time and that's the that has been their issue they thought max, max petrarelli was going to be that guy then he went and had the achilles issue twice in in that period of time it it's um, it's been really difficult. There's lots of pos- so many positives in Florida, but it's you know it, it, it's it's such a team mentality. There isn't that one individual that can take them over the top. That's why I think that they've you know they're they're talking about Tarasenko, the the, the one guy that is, has a, a flashiness to him and the ability to score that one big goal to change momentum. I think that's really what's what's what their thought process is there. But I just until they get that guy. I just don't see them doing anything more than, yeah, we'll get to the conference final, but can you win the big one? I just don't think so. If you're a betting man, is Carlson, Eric Carlson, in Pittsburgh sometime soon? Well, we know Kyle wants to make a splash. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that the window in Pittsburgh is, you know, slowly dropping to the point where Sid and Evgeny and Chris Letang are going to be retired within two or three years. Um, and they're getting so, a little more vocal themselves about maybe getting a big splash, right? Like, right, they, right. yeah. And and and, and the, the big part of this is, I this summer, I I think we've seen Sydney more involved mm-hmm. in this whole process than ever before. I mean, it, being involved in sitting with Kyle before he was hired, and you know, making sure that Sydney was happy. This is the this is the Fenway Sports Group mentality. We 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 decided we were going to go with the veteran players. Sydney's got two more years on his deal. So, you know what, Sid, you know, make sure that you are happy with Kyle Dubas because obviously the previous administration did not really understand what the players wanted and 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 it didn't work. And and Kyle's smart enough to know that Sydney's a pretty good hockey guy and probably has a career with the Penguins after he plays. Um, but is in a position to, you know, have some influence now. We don't normally see superstars in hockey try to create influence. No. Wayne never really did that. Mm. You know, Mario did it by necessity because they owed him so much money. Um, but from that perspective, I, to see Sid this vocal, this involved, I think is a positive. So the answer is I do think he, en- he ends up in, in, in Pittsburgh, but hopefully they haven't given up enough uh, of, of the regular roster, guys like Jake Gensel in order to get to get to the point where they can still contribute and and get to get deeper in the playoffs let alone make the playoffs it's funny i mean carlson had an all-world season obviously in san jose it kind of feels like he has one foot out the door there so he's uh expecting a deal but you know is he the piece is he the piece that the pittsburgh penguins need well you know um i you can't really talk about uh, his time in San Jose of being a real difference maker. Sure, there was the one playoff run, uh, but they ended up losing to St. Louis, I think. Um, but if you go back to his last year in Ottawa and the run to the conference final in Ottawa, he was the dominant defenseman in the National Hockey League. Um, and, and that was on two broken heels. 
Uh, he's this guy can be a difference maker. And if you put him around other elite players, if you put him with Sidney Crosby, uh, even for a short period of time, a couple of years, it could be something that's really important to be a difference maker for the Penguins. That's a and Kyle needs to make a splash. You know, Kyle's done a lot of good things in Pittsburgh so far, and and you know, and being accessible, uh, you know, talking with people, making people feel warm and fuzzy in the organization. Um, but he ne- he knows he needs to make a splash in the next couple of years in order to keep this team relevant. Before you go, uh, we'll let you dunk because uh, you told us a week ago, guys, hockey night in Canada stuff. Come on, it's it's not happening. <laughs> um, and, and you didn't. I don't even think you were seeing it from a scoops uh, standpoint. You were just like, that's just not happening, and it, it's just not. Um, it doesn't sound like there's any changes. Never mind sweeping changes. It doesn't sound like there's any. I mean, do, do you think we're wrong in that regard? Do you think literally the whole crew's back? Um, I, I think it's still difficult to judge. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly think, uh, and I, I, I mean, I, I was at an event with Ron on Monday mm-hmm. uh, where we had a long talk about this kind of thing. Um, and it certainly sounds like that crew that appeared on Saturday night is going to be the crew that's going to be on Saturday nights. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a it was a difficult time. I, and I, the only reason I the only reason I said what I said, Blake, was it is just horrific, horrific to be at home and read your name, whether it's in the old days in the newspaper mm-hmm. or on social media, and have people phone and say, "Are you okay?" And you're saying, "I don't I don't know what you're talking about." And and so the the truth was that if there was writing on the wall, it was an invisible ink. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so from that from a personal perspective, it's, I have I, I don't want to comment on the production. I don't want to comment on the on the abilities on the air. But on a personal perspective, to read all of that was really sad and embarrassing. And I'm glad that there's been a little clarity between Ron and and certainly Kevin Bieksa this week. Uh, a little less sad is the health of your uh, compadre there, Bob McCown. Um, comeback trail continuing for him. Yeah, yeah, getting better at home. Uh, walking better, talking better. So uh, our fingers and toes are crossed that uh, uh, as uh, we get closer to the end of summer that uh, Bob will be back in the captain's chair. Yeah, get that uh, brain rewired a little bit and uh, get him back in there talking. Uh, Thanks for doing this, John. Appreciate it. Uh, Best to Bob if you talk to him, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend, boys. Like when you look at me, Harrison Price got my game face on. Presentation, I'm pretty. Apple and Auto Group, no, I will concede that. Another edition of S versus P or debate segment, and it has a new sponsor. Thank you to Lyona 1611 BC Laborers Union. My record is so poor, I had to call in a union to get my back. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, Lyona 1611 has contractors looking for their members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca. Lyona 1611 has your back, or at least my back. After a 1-5-2 start this season against Blake on S versus P, he won last week. He smoked me on Twitter, or on YouTube, 48-20. to It's much closer on Twitter. 53% to 47%, alas, close only counts, as you know, in a couple of activities. Kind of feel like the Canucks the last couple of seasons heading into November. I, I know I'm behind the eight ball, 
A lot and of hope and praying. Some must wins mm-hmm. a little sooner than you would like to have. I think you need to fire your GM. Some must wins. New coaching staff. <laughs> Get a GM. Plural. Honestly. Hire an analytics team. I may need to go find a a debate coach. Performance staff, all that. Okay, thank you, Grady. That'll do. Today's question, should the Canucks sign one more goalie? I'll be arguing no. Blake will be arguing yes. Two minutes per argument. And everybody who is voting, a reminder... We are asking you to evaluate the best argument here. We are not asking for your personal opinion, so please try and set all your prejudices, biases aside as you take in the proceedings and then cast your ballot. I'm like vintage Serena. It doesn't matter if I'm serving or returning, so um, I will... uh I'll let you choose today who goes first. Oh, how very gracious yeah. of you. I think I'm going to go first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. Yes. All right. You ready? Yes, sir. Two minutes begins now. No, the Canucks should not sign another goalie. This season rides on Thatcher Demko, so bringing in a veteran goalie wouldn't mean as much as it would to a team with iffy goaltending. Archer Silovs proved himself at the World Championships where he was the best player in the tournament and in five NHL games last season. Now, he's not quite an NHL goalie yet, but he has given you every reason to believe and give him the first crack at being the backup goaltender. Plus, the farm club is nearby, so you can shuttle him back and forth. He can play the lion's share of games for Abbotsford, as well as get those spot starts in the NHL when you know you're resting Demko. Now, Spencer Martin, he was pretty good two years ago. He's there in case of emergency. And they've added two other goaltenders this summer. Zach Sachenko and European free agent Nikita Tolapilo. They're there to push Martin's, uh, Martin and Seelofs and round out the depth at Abbotsford and even give ECHL Kalamazoo a starter. So you've got five professional goaltenders under contract right now. You don't need any more, particularly since you don't have any cap space. And if cap space were to be manufactured here in the summer, you would want to spend it on a third-line center or a defenseman because those are positions in need. But most importantly here, you've got the best goalie coach in the world in Ian Clark. You've invested in him. Now it's time to trust him. He's had a hand in bringing in these new goalies, so let his plan play out and adjust accordingly if need be. Besides... Look at the UFA goaltenders that are available. It's a very threadbare market. Nobody is changing the price of tea for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, Blake. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. Your two minutes begins now. The uh, debate is not about Demko. We know he's the man. This is about the starts in between. They need wins there, too. And is leaning on young Arthur Silovs the only route to victory there, or should he be left to improve down on the farm? There is no fooling anyone. We know the Canucks are cap-strapped. But the good news is the signing for the Canucks won't be to anyone over the bare minimum of contracts to be buried in the AHL. If the Canucks find another backup, that player is either with the team for minimally more than Spencer Martin, a few hundred grand maybe, or they're in the American League. 
So ultimately, for the kind of player the Canucks are looking for, this shouldn't be a quote-unquote cap issue. A guy like hometown boy Martin Jones, for instance, who is still on a buyout from the Sharks and earned $2 million last year from Seattle, but with a save percentage of just under 900 is likely not going to do much better than a million from the Canucks. He's 33, would probably get a throw about playing for the Canucks before he hangs him up and would merely get the chance to prove that he can't do it. If he can't, you bury him in Abbotsford, which again isn't a bad option for a guy who can still commute there from North Van if he wants to. And then if he is, well then great. The Canucks have somebody to fill those voids. Do the Canucks have a lot of goalies then? Yeah, they do. Demko, Martin Seeloff, Sachenko, Tulipilo, and Player X. But they have an ECHL affiliate again this season. They have a chance to populate upwards of six positions there. That's why you have the minor leagues. Outside of Silovs and Demko, nobody has a huge upside there as well. They're just aggregating scratch-and-win tickets. And as Aiden Hill and others throughout history have shown us, you never know when somebody is going to step up and give you some quality starts. And by the way, injuries are a thing too. So just because you have six goalies under contract doesn't mean all six are necessarily available to you. One more low-cost keeper, it's not a big deal. Oh, just under the wire. All right, everybody, you've heard the arguments. Now it's time to vote on Twitter and on YouTube. And if you are consuming this on YouTube, we ask you to subscribe and leave a comment down below. Good luck, although I'm not sure you need it. S versus P, a presentation of Layuna 1611. BC Laborers Union. Check out 1611.ca. Layuna has your back. Don't forget, you want to get a hold of us at any time. Send us your feedback into the Great Clips inbox, 778-402-9680. Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Greatclips.com to find the salon nearest you, and there's going to be one nearest you here in beautiful British Columbia. Errors and omissions from the last 24 hours, and we got nothing. Clean sheet. Oh. Rare. Or so we think. (laughs) Matt is... Matt's kind of mean on himself sometimes. He, He calls himself a dutiful reporter. Sometimes he's quite nitpicky with his own performances. I mean, we can give one to the... Canadian women's national team, they've they omitted their scoring mm, last yeah. night. But other than that, for us, nothing. So that just leaves the Bodog line of the day for Jeff Patterson. So, as you know, I just got back. I was down yeah. in San Diego for a week. And while I was there, I flipped on the local television news. And I found it jarring because uh, it's mid-July. And they're doing stories about back to school. Mm-hmm. And there were ads for back to school. And, of course, in the States, quite often, school starts a lot earlier than it does here. So with that in mind, it got me thinking that Bodog has futures on college football. Like, we're still a ways away from the start of U.S. football season. But the Washington Huskies were 11-2 and last year. Program on the rise. If you think that they can match their 11-win total, Bodog has odds for exact wins oh, okay. yeah. for a number, all the big college yeah. programs. I picked the Huskies. If they can back up an 11-win season with another one, you can get them right now at plus 600. Pretty good value. I, honestly, their their 11-win season snuck past me, as people might remember. I'm not a big college football guy. Um, but they were 11 wins, eh? Yeah. Resurgent. Won the Alamo Bowl. Hmm. 
I just got to say, nothing triggered me more as a kid than seeing back-to-school ads, whether it was in store, (laughs) commercials, come get your new binder, oh, you need more pens, get your new laptop. That was like three years ago, Grady. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and early on the U.S. networks as well. Uh, There's your Bodog line of the day from Jeff Patterson. Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. Uh, Big weekend ahead if you're heading down to Seattle. Uh, Probably leave now. Whenever you're hearing this, I hope you've left now or have Nexus. Um, drive safe, be safe down there, and behave yourselves if you're going down to Seattle. Please, let's uh, let's restore our good reputation with the fine folks in the Emerald City. Uh, enjoy Jay's Mariners. Enjoy T Swizzle if you're going. Enjoy Barbie and Oppenheimer, and <laughs> so uh, both teams are playing at BC Place. There's a lot on the there menu is. here this yeah. weekend. So uh, be responsible as you're doing it, folks, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, not myself, mind you, Jeff Patterson, in for me, alongside the one and only Matt Sikaris. And most of all, don't forget to support the fabulous local BC-based businesses that you hear right here on this very show. Folks, have yourselves a great weekend.